Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. And I am in studio with a man who is well known in the pro life movement. John, how do you actually spell your last name? It's R Y A N. R A Y N. R Y A N. R Y A N. Okay, that's why I was confused. John Ryan, it's a pleasure to have you in studio with us today. And Lou wanted you to come in because of why, in a nutshell. Well, we met at uh, Catholic Man for the Year, a banquet, and I was honored to be one of several men nominated, and, uh, and in conversation there discussing my uh, work in the pro-life movement over the past 40 years, uh, Lou thought it would be a good idea to share some of that. Any stories that stick out that, you know, it's like this one really got you on fire, maybe that started that ball rolling? Well... The ball started rolling in uh, January of 1973. I was 19 years old when the Supreme Court came down with its decision, and and my parents and I joined Missouri, then called Citizens for Life, and did uh, political action for about uh, eight years. And then in 1980, I finally ended up for the first time at an abortion mill, and that's, that stands out in my mind. It was a good uh, Friday, actually Holy Saturday of uh, 1980, was my first, uh, my second day at an abortion mill, the first time I was arrested for uh, trying to rescue children. Wow. And were you out there with a group of people, or was this a solo act? No, there were, then there was a large group of people, and Sam Lee had, had organized folks, and uh, there was, uh, we had a lot of sidewalk counselors who talked to the moms, and then we had others of us who peacefully sat in front of the doors so they'd have time to talk to the moms. And, and between that witness and their witness, we, we saved so many babies at birthright started opening up on Saturdays then and, and um, uh, so they could be there for them. So what did you do illegal that caused them to arrest you? Well, we, we, sir, we'd sit in front of the doors. Um, usually there'd be two of us side by side uh, and that afforded an opportunity for the no one could go in then uh, while the police officers decided what they wanted to do. Um, and uh, if they arrested us, it usually took a little time. And in the meantime, we were, um, we were um, able to uh, um, buy time, really, for that child, for her mother, and for those counselors to be able to reach them. So I guess what goes on different today is they don't let you get that close. Is that what happened? Mostly uh, now uh, we do what's called strictly sidewalk counseling. Um, and then, so then we call out to moms. Um, at the different abortion mills. I spend most of my time at the Granite City one, which now is where all the Missouri moms are going. Not all of them. Some of them, because of the change of the law, are, are not ha 
not having abortions, but many do go there. And we are able to uh, reach out to them, call out to them, and have these incredible conversations that oftentimes, but not often enough, uh, save lives. You know, it's really disturbing to me that I am hearing some of these corporations are actually funding women Mm -hmm. to go, you know, out of state. Mm -hmm. It seems to me like uh, we should be protesting them as well. It is stunning, and and certainly uh, that's that's on the agenda, uh, just to draw attention to that. But, you know, it's odd because when you think about abortion, and, and I've thought of this for years, it's... Um, it's, it's akin, it is slavery. It is the court originally said that for the first nine months of a woman's life, she owns her child and could do with her whatever she decides. And now with Dobbs, which is a good thing, it's not enough, but it's certainly a good thing, we are back to where uh, pre-Civil War, where you have free states and slave states. And these companies have chosen to do the opposite of those who liberated slaves back then. And they're actually smuggling, in effects assisting to smuggle slaves out of a free state like Missouri into a slave state like Illinois so they can be killed. So, yeah, it is stunning, and, and I think they do need to be exposed. Right, you know, and when people well, – see, some people are, are, are for all this too. So even if we bring these names forward, mm-hmm. which we're not going to talk about anybody now, mm-hmm. you know, there, are, there will be people that are pro-life that would like to boycott their services, their products. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have the other ones that are just uh, all on board and funneling whatever money they can to them. Sure. So the war continues. Yeah, so, yeah, the battle, it's just uh, changed location. It, it is, as I say, it's a good thing and worth celebrating that, you know, God works in mysterious ways. And, and just even several months ago, certainly a year ago, only there were only a handful of us who were believing that somehow, you know, that row could be disposed of like it should have, disposed of rather. And uh, but uh, so that is a thing to celebrate. We're also aware that. Um, that that's not sufficient. So we're, we'll take the victory, honor God for that victory, at the same time realize our, our work does go on. Well, John Ryan, that's what we're doing here today, and that is informing people of the evils and letting them know that they have any kind of role whatsoever, that they can either share the information or go to these places and protest or say the rosary for mm-hmm. them. You know, there's tons they can do from their couch. Sure. Yeah, we have lots of, I have lots of people who will, um, on Facebook, send messages that they're praying they're physically unable to be there, but they are there in prayer. And, and I always encourage that, that that prayer is, is all what we're all about there anyway. And then others, I encourage to be there, at least as part of whatever else they might do, because to really understand abortion, um, I didn't. I, I certainly understood it, but to understood it, understand it fully, it was when I first looked into the eyes of a of a mother who was getting ready to do the unthinkable, and uh, and sometimes we succeeded in convincing her not to do that. But oftentimes, you know, hearing and seeing the their their uh, reasoning, um, and uh, they're going through and doing the the unthinkable, uh, it 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 brings abortion home as to what it actually is. So what year did these, uh, say these ultrasounds, when did they become like in a, in a van or a truck where they came? I mean, what year did that start? I don't know the exact year, but it was, it was several years ago. And I remember um, when we, f- 
you know, we first encountered that uh, working with the Knights of Columbus. And, and it was interesting, you know, again, God's movement in all of this that uh, several of us from several different councils who didn't even know each other felt that same uh, calling that we needed to, uh, that the Knights needed to get behind this. We knew we needed those vans there. Um, but I remember being at the abortion mill the first time a van showed up and, and counseling a mom as she pulled in the driveway um, um, of the abortion mill. And usually what I would say up until then was, you know, a few blocks from here, you know, we have a, a, a pregnancy aid center. And I started to say that and I said, oh, no, I'm sorry, we have a mobile medical center. And I said, if you look in your rearview mirror, uh, you can see it. And she did. I saw her eyes look up at the mirror, and that's the first time that had ever happened. And she actually uh, pulled out, turned around, went over to that uh, to that mobile medical center, and uh, that saved her baby's life. I have heard some incredible numbers that the women that choose to go to the ultrasound mm-hmm. that choose life. Do right. you, do you uh, have a number? that? Pretty consistently, it's 90 percent. Wow. Um, and uh, which is awesome and wonderful. I would encourage people also to pray for the women, mostly women, who uh, man those pregnancy aid centers, the nurses, because I hadn't really thought of that until I was talking to uh, Angela Michaels, who's one of them, and uh, she was relating a situation where a mom came in, uh, saw the ultrasound of her baby, and went ahead and killed her anyway. And I realized as she was relating that, that the trauma that she experienced as a nurse um, in that moment that, she, well, we know there's a baby. We know that through, the, through our faith and our knowledge of science. She actually looked at that child moving on the screen and had the child there, and it was one of the rare situations. But when it occurred, I realized what a trauma she had been through, and I, I uh, told her I'd be praying for her, and I hope everyone does because while 90% or so do um, choose life, uh, there are some that don't, and those technicians, they see that child eye to eye in the last moments of her life. Isn't that what happened to that nurse that is now, you know, one of the spokespeople for Mm pro-life? She actually saw the movement. She saw what was actually going on. Right. She she had been actually running abortion mills and had never really seen seen it, and then in her testimony, she went in and to help out because they were short staff or something like that, and uh, and and that's interesting to realize it was in the seeing of it, like she had the knowledge of it. But that's why we we also have a we now have an ultra excuse me we now have a a van with a video a board on it that we bring out because we see it as the it's kind of the ultrasound van for the moms and dads who don't go into our ultrasound van so they can see the images of their children at the different stages of life and give them an extra chance to hopefully humanize that child. And we, the first day we, we got that van there, which was several months ago, we had uh, two different moms leave, and one of them in particular, they stopped and talked to us, and Mary Mashmire, Defenders of the Unborn, is still working with her, and said that it was in seeing that image, um, she realized they couldn't go through with what they were about to do. I just had a thought. Now, I don't know if this is possible, Paul or uh, John. Think about that van, which is in the vicinity of the parking lot that people can see mm-hmm. where they're going. Have a screen. Of course, you'd have to get permission from the person that's being ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Imagine a big 10-foot screen uh-huh. that's being broadcasting the actual ultrasound. In the moment. Yeah, that at would the, be powerful. Yeah, it's been done, there, it's been done at... at um, 
um, events, pro-life events, where someone agrees to do sure, that. But sure. that would be very powerful in that moment to be able to say that that's, 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 yeah. that's a child in the van right now having his picture taken. Yeah, I mean, I think that if the, we could do that, you know, that, like I said, the idea just popped in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, other people would see and witness what's going on because I'm convinced that all the evil and all the stupid stuff that happens in our world right now is due out of ignorance. Mm. They are unaware. I've been on, I couldn't, countless, you know, pro-life events going down the D.C. And I had this man come up because I had pro-life material on my chest. You know, it's just a blob of cells. Yeah. I mean, ignorance. Yeah. It's not just a blob of cells. We're talking hands, heartbeat, you name it. Stunning. You know, if we get, we've got to educate people. There's a lot of that, certainly on the street we encounter that. Um, I noticed a change over the years. Uh, I started on the front lines in 1980, so it's been 35 or so odd years. of, uh, And I've noticed in the last maybe decade, moms would look at you and say they would say baby they routinely routinely do when we have a conversation well sometimes we'll certainly always include how about adoption as an option the adoption option and they say um oh i could never have anyone adopt my baby that's exactly how they say and i've talked to several counselors all over the country and that's the universal answer to that so um, so we, you are correct that there are some people who don't know, but most people are there. They don't want to think about it, uh, but they'll instinctively say baby. Um, I, I don't think I've ever encountered a mom on the way in for an abortion who use, who use those terms, but politicians do and people who want to justify abortion uh, in, in other areas of their life do, uh, but uh, not so much the moms and dads. Okay, well, we've gone through some of the history and where is the movement focusing on going forward? Well, they've, I know they're, 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 the different group leaders are meeting, have called meetings to figure out where do we go from here. We, we know one thing with Dobbs, which had already started to happen because states like Missouri had all but eliminated abortion uh, anyway, uh, being committed in the state. Um, but uh, so for one thing is, where we focus our energies there there have to be energies focused in our own states because our moms and dads are leaving the state to to uh commit abortions um but also you know the the talk is you know how do do we not belong where our moms and dads are going to commit abortions you know it's not just a disagreement we have it's it's an actual act and so i'm hoping and praying that that will be number one number two is um, there have been, we have found out about survivors of abortionists, right, of actual abortions. Gianna Jessen is the one who got me back to the front line. Several years ago, I saw her video out of, I think it was New Zealand, and she, an abortionist, had attempted to kill her. She had survived, and her testimony is remarkable. M- Melissa Oden, who's from the Kansas City area, runs a, an organization for survivors of abortion, and I, and I hope and pray that they are moved more to the front. They belong at the front of abortion because they are the face of abortion. It happened to them, and their testimony is indisputable, and it it humanizes the child. And I think for mothers and dads who are out there who might be thinking about abortion, seeing that witness uh, could move them more than anything else. 
That's the voice of John Ryan, and this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Charles, Missouri. My name is Matt Logman in studio, as we are talking about the ugliness of what's going on and also giving thanks and praise to what's going on at the same time because I did not choose to live here. My parents, you know, so here I am blessed to be in a state that is majority pro-life. Thankful, grateful, you know, but there is a lot of work to be done, and that's what we're doing here today, trying to change one soul at a time. That is St. Joseph Radio. Well, John, so we, there's a lot of stories, I think, that if you share, and you've got decades mm-hmm. of them, you know, that people will just kind of, it'll strike the chord, you mm-hmm. know, and get them, you know, on the bandwagon to do more. Let's talk about some of those. Well, I had, uh, I had my phone uh, rang um, thir- Wednesday night at an event for Coalition Life, a pro-life event, and when I looked down, I saw the name of a mom whose baby we had saved about three and a half years ago or so, uh, and I, I just got back, I texted her, and I just got the text back as we were pulling in the, the driveway for this interview, and she said, oh no, I didn't, I didn't call you. Amelia tried to FaceTime you. Amelia is the baby who was inside of Brianna that day when I encountered her and uh, Raleigh at the abortion mill. And we successfully convinced them. She was, a matter of fact, she texted Raleigh, they're getting ready to take me back for the abortion. And we were able to uh, get through to Raleigh. He got through to her, got her to come back outside. Uh, I remember that day um, like it was yesterday. I remember her walking across the uh, parking lot. And uh, and I asked her, I had not really done this before. I said, can I have a hug? And she gave me a hug. And then I said, I never said that before, but I said, you know, if it's okay, I would love to be there for the birth of your child. And on the spot, she said, she said I could, and uh, and then she went in the, the pregnancy aid van, and, and they did the ultrasound and that, and and she honored that commitment. So I was there for the birth of her. We've been working with them for years. They they got their lives together, and she's actually about to have her uh, uh, um, fifth child uh, any day now. Uh, but it was pretty cool that Amelia. Um, who would not have been here. She was there to be killed that day. Um, just managed to, of all times, pick when I'm sitting at this pro-life event, uh, try to FaceTime me. That was pretty cool. What we're hearing, folks, are the fruits of working in the vineyard. Fantastic. I mean, you know, the Lord's got to be smiling upon people who are doing this and, and saving the greatest creation of all time, and that is the human soul. I agree. It's a spiritual battle. It always has been. Um, but, of course, you know, I think our job is to show up. That's my job. And, and then uh, I show up, and if I get out of God's way, then he gives me the words, the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of people say, a lot of people say, well, I, don't, I wouldn't know what to do, what to say there. And I say, well, all these years I'm not really sure what I'm going to say or do in any moment. But if you show up, God will give you the words. God will give you the presence. Uh, you may, he may call you to pray. He may call you to. Um, I met a. I met a, uh, a dad in prison one time. We were in the holding cell, rescue work. He 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 wasn't there for that, but he knew why I was there. And he came over to me and he said, "I want to tell you a story." And he said, "I want you to tell others this story." And uh, he said, uh, "I went to that place where you went, uh, the same abortion mill where I had been arrested." And he said, "We were there for an abortion, my girlfriend and I." 
And he said, as we walked up the sidewalk, there was a, a, a man holding a sign, and it had those pictures on it. And I said, well, you mean like the pictures of an aborted baby? And he said, yes. And he said, when we saw that sign, we stopped dead in our tracks. We looked at each other. We said, we can't do this. And we walked away and left. And he said, that was eight years ago. And I said, what is your, and he said, it was my daughter. What's her name? And he rolls up his sleeve, and on his wrist he had tattooed faith. And I thought, you know, that man never knew that he saved that child's life by his decision that day to show up. He never said a word to him. Probably wouldn't even know him at all if he met him on the street. And he uh, changed their lives and saved that, uh, that baby's life. So if you show up, God does, works wonders, and we don't always get to know about those wonders in this world, but he still works them. Praise God. Yeah, you know, the Lord even says that in Scripture to his apostles, that no need to practice what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit will give you the words at that time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I pray, I tell people jokingly that my prayer life is down to the Reader's Digest version, and they look at me like, okay, how's that? I pray for the grace to be found living his will. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And that's yeah. it, because if, if I'm living his will, yeah. that's all I need. Yeah. You yeah. Know, fame, money, none of that. Mm -hmm. I just want to live his will, yeah. because that's where that peace that defies understanding, mm -hmm. that's where that comes from. Yeah. And when I think of people involved in abortion, I think of the prodigal son, and, and I've always been struck by that, that I remember in there where it says that... Uh, the father saw him as he came over the rise from a long distance away. And you and I know what that meant was that father was looking for him every single day. He was gone, and, he, and he's, he's, he's doing the same for these abortion-bound moms and dads and those who have gone ahead and killed their children. He's still there. He, he still believes in them and wants them back, but uh, he honors their, their free will to come and join him. But I always thought that was pretty cool. and, and uh, and that's the challenge to us. We're, we're there for them. And that is the point of the story, is the father is standing there at a distance waiting for us to come back. He never, you know, hits us over the head mm -hmm. said, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, he, he's there waiting for us because we do have that gift of free will, <laughs> which sometimes I'm like, why'd you give me that? But I, right. I understand, and I, I could not love him more. You know, for that gift, but it is—it's a struggle every day, and he knows it, and mm -hmm. that's why his church was built the way it was with the sacraments. You know, for the food on the journey, you know, for reconciliation, all of it. Yeah. You know, because we can't do it. Uh, well, oh, <laughs> what was asked to him? Well, then, Lord, how can we be saved? And he mm -hmm. looked at him and said, "Humanly, it's not possible." There you go. But with God, all things are possible. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. So, well, what do you have in store? I mean, do you guys have, like, projects that are not even, un, you know, unveiled yet? I mean, I'm sure you have a wish list. We do. Um, one of those is the, is the um, video board that we have is a little bit dated. So uh, we kind of are hopeful that others will see the value of that and, uh, and help uh, Defenders of the Unborn. That's the organization I work with primarily. I support all of them, but uh, uh, to, uh, to where we can afford to get sort of more of the up-to-date technology. It, it's crisper. Everybody knows everybody's got TVs now, and they know how much cleaner and clearer the images are, and we're projecting from distances of, you know, 100 feet, 200 feet or, or further. Um, so that's one. And then always 
the the uh, the hope is um, that we draw more people out to the um, abortion mill. And there's all kinds of things we need guys to help drive the board there. It's towed behind a, a you know a medium-sized vehicle. Uh, so some people, that's what they can do. So there's lots of different things folks can do. Uh, if they if they contact us, we'd be glad to to put them to work and steer them in the right direction. Or they can just show up, right? That's what God says to show up, and uh, you don't you know God will do the rest and bring the rosary. Absolutely, prayer is essential. Um, it, it it and especially St. Michael prayer. It's it's there's so much evil that surrounds that place. It is not contained within those walls. And we're foolish, uh, and I'm foolish not to realize that I am affected by that and uh, to uh, uh, say that prayer multiple times when I am out there um, is, uh, is a good reminder of who's in charge. Well, John, sitting in that seat right there where you are, I had the opportunity to interview Zachary King. I don't know, don't know if you know of that name. He had reached the top of Satan's world church. And the reason why he did that or how he did that was because his magic was 94% effective and he brought millions of dollars into the church. Mm. And in order to do some of the spells and some of his magic, it required the blood of an abortion. Mm. And he said he participated in 148 abortions, Mm. some at clinics, some in basements with doctors and nurses. Mm -hmm. And he said three times that it didn't, you know, something went wrong. Mm -hmm. And the third time it happened, he had all of his uh, minions, you know, pull all the material, all the records and everything that they could of what went wrong. And there was one thing in common. And he said to me that, People were counting the beads outside. Hmm. He didn't know what a rosary oh. was. You know, I mean, this man is like entrenched in the most evil of evil. Mm-hmm. You know, there was only two to nine people on earth at that one given time of the level that he had reached. Wow. And he guaranteed me, hmm. and now this is the spooky part, he hmm. guaranteed me. He said, Matt, I guarantee you that there is one coven member in every abortion clinic you go into. Mm -hmm. And that just floored Mm me. You know, when you say a coven member, Mm -hmm. I mean, people just think science fiction. You know, we're talking the supernatural. Mm -hmm. You know, if you believe in God and Jesus Christ, well, how much does it talk about him Mm -hmm. personally? Personally, you know, attacking, you know, wow. Folks, if you'd like a copy of this program, we will give you a free CD if you just pay for the postage. Do so after the program at 636-447-6000. That's 636-447-6000. My name is Matt Logan. I have John Ryan in studio today as we are talking about how we can help save the babies and what's going on and all the different aspects that we as you know, God's children can do to affect everyone around us. Folks, it's unendless. I mean, God is beautiful, and there's nothing that he can't do, but he needs us to come forward. We'll be right back after this break. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents.
Hi, this is Matt Logeman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea. A St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and 7 medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. E-R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally, located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Yes, and you should watch SJEN.TV. That way you can put a face to the voice. You know, people say, I got a voice for radio, and I always say, I got a face for it, too. <laughs> oh, God is good, actually. And the, one of the best stories of my prodigal son years is when I, and I shared that poem with you guys before the program, yes. and uh, I guess I'll share it with the listeners out there now. After my first conversion, and there were several, because there's lots, there's lots of demons out there, you know. And the first one was womanizing, and I realized when I had hit bottom that that was, this had to stop. And I prayed to meet a nice girl, you know, because one of the things that hurt me the worst about that, I mean, I was hurt, you know, I was uh, used and had my heart broken. And then I started thinking about how many girls that I do that to. And that was not my intention, but that made me feel worse. I mean, here I am thinking I'm provider of fun and all this other good stuff, and I was just as evil as the rest of them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I felt really bad. So then when I prayed to meet a nice girl, that's, I met my wife. She was a ticket agent at the airline, and I was a flight attendant. That's how I met. But after after that first conversion, I was watching TV in my hotel room. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning. And I was watching TLC, and they were, I guess, showing the story from the time that the lady knew she was pregnant for her nine months. And, you know, they didn't know anything was wrong at the beginning, but I followed this story. It was an hour-long program. And as it turns out, the lady had twins. And when they were born, one baby was born with a faulty heart. The other baby was born brain dead. You know, this is all happening, you know, and here it is, 1.30 in the morning, and I'm just like, oh, you know, I mean, this is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they were talking about the moral implications, and what they did was they took 
the heart out of the brain-dead baby and put it into the baby that had the faulty heart. Mm -hmm. So the lady came out with one complete healthy child. Well, then I'm like just floored thinking to myself as I was letting myself be sucked into this, I could not imagine how a woman would feel going nine months and not having it work out. So I grabbed the pen and the napkin next to my table and, and just started writing. And I know, you know, that was definitely the Holy Spirit that was working through me. The poem was called, Where Did They Go? It happens once too often, and no one really knows why, that when a child enters this world, that he doesn't sound a cry. Why was he taken so soon from the life that he never started? The day he was to be born was the day that he departed. No one knows except for the mother the pain that she'll endure, not knowing why God took her baby, a child that was so pure. And no one knows except for the infant, because Jesus took him by the hand, the love of God and the joy of heaven as he led him to the promised land. I mean, John, the tears were just flowing down my cheeks. I had no idea where that came from. And I was just like, voila, man. And, you know, hindsight being 2020, one of the first times I ever petitioned the Blessed Mother was back in the early 70s when she had lung cancer. And the nuns back then in grade school always taught us that if you petition the Blessed Mother, she will never let you down. That doesn't mean a lot to an 8- to 10-year-old. Yeah. But when she had lung cancer, I, my petition was, let my mother live long enough until I'm able to be on my own. Because I couldn't fathom life without my mother. I was the youngest of five and five years separated. So I was the baby. You know, I was the mother's child, right? So when I shared that poem with her, she started crying, and I'm like, no, 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 Mom, it's supposed to be a joyful thing, you know, that Jesus is taking the baby to heaven. And it didn't dawn on me why she was crying, even though she had lost two babies. It dawned on me in hindsight that she realized I was back to the church. She knew I could not have written that without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And she also met my girlfriend at that time, you know, who knew this was going to be my wife and was going to be able to take care of me. So when I look back at it, the mother had answered everything that I asked for. And she's still batting a thousand some 30 years later. True to her word. Exactly. Yeah. Folks, petition the mother, please. She is there and she is waiting. And like the father, she won't harass you into doing so. You know, just a beautiful thing. And, and I, if people want a copy of that, please. Call the phone number after the program. We'll get that free CD. You'll be able to hear it. All you got to do is pay the postage because we all know women who have lost a baby, and they should all be able to share in the joy of where that baby is going. All right, That's back to what you're doing, John. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, I, I was thinking of the wedding feast of Cana where, where uh, his mom comes to him and, and Jesus can't resist. <laughs> you know, I've talked to a lot of priests. You know, if God's all-knowing. You know, he is God, and mm -hmm. he knows everything. How come he said to his mother, how does that confront yeah. me? This is not my time. Yeah. How did the Lord not know it was uh, his time? You know, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. just uh, going with the priest. You know, yeah. I like to pick the people's brains. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, I have a, you know, I got a high school diploma, you know, but when I talk to PhDs, it's fun to throw stuff out 
outside the box. Sure. And their answers are incredible. You know, and also I like that that it was the mother's last words recorded in the scripture. Mm-hmm. And she says, Do as he tells you. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's a powerful, powerful prayer, folks, that we have. We have statues of the mother here in studio and you know, every time I walk into the studio I offer myself up. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, I'm the vessel that's broken and sinful. Use me. Mm-hmm. And he does. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's a blessing that I've been here, and I thank Lou and Covenant Network mm-hmm. for being able to make this possible. Yeah. So I've... pro-life groups, there's a bunch of them out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can tell the people how they can get involved and, and some of the favorites that you were involved with. Well, I, I like them all, um, even though each has a different focus. It, I'm mindful of, uh, you know, the body has many members. And I've noticed over the decades, because we've had our moments of disagreement here and there with different groups and that, but but when the arm is telling the leg what to do, it really doesn't work very well. And I think that that instruction, if we, if we pay attention to it and live it out, that, um, you know, God takes care of the rest. So we have all different... Uh, our Ladies Inn, um, which has one of their locations is out here in St. Charles County, um, that actually uh, uh, was hatched out of the back of a paddy wagon. I was blessed to be there that day, Joan Andrews. Uh, we had been rescuing and doing rescue sit-ins for a couple of years, and one of the things we ran into, and Joan did, was that moms who had children, there really wasn't anywhere for them to go. No one had real resources for that, pregnant moms with children, that is. And so Joni was like, "We gotta open up. We gotta open up our own place." And uh, and in that paddy wagon, I think she even named it there, if I recall correctly. But in that paddy wagon, with several gathered around, and of course more added as time went on, um, that Our Lady's Inn was hatched the idea for it, and it still is going this decades later. And and so for moms who have children who are pregnant and have needs uh, along those lines, um, we're able to send them there. So um, Birthright, of course, was already working away and, and taking care of moms that were abortion-minded and still still to this day are out there. Um, Thrive uh, came along and, and, and uh, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the organization that they came out of, but it was a Christian organization that had been in existence for decades and was actively involved in taking care of moms all those many years. Mary Nelson was in charge of that. And, um, and so, you know, Thrive came along, Coalition Life, which focuses on at the abortion mills, having a presence there. Um, every, every hour they're open, the, the abortion mills that they uh, focus on, and they reach out to the moms. The idea there is that uh, we don't give up on anybody, right? Uh, there's sometimes there's the thought of, you know, it's, you know, we've done what we can. We've educated. People are going to do what they do. There's only so much you can do. And it's like, well, I wouldn't want anybody, you know, God didn't give up on me, and I wouldn't want anybody to, to give up on me. So I'm not going to give up on them. And and we do know that it does make a difference. Uh, Thrive, it's in the thousands. Coalition defenders, you know, they've saved tens of thousands of lives over the decades. The first babies we saved uh, are in their 40s now. Um, and uh, so, um, and I know I'll miss some, there's just so many. Missouri Right to Life, you know, they put together that legislation that all but shut down abortion. I mean, they, they're like-minded as, as all of us are. We, of course, we know abortion needs to, it, it should never exist, certainly any kind of legal protection. 
Um, but they knew also, you know, we had to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, and they put together the legislation that had all but shut down abortion in Missouri, and then Dobbs, of course, uh, finished it off. So um, there's just, I, I know I'm missing, there's just so many organizations out there that reach out to to, to parents, educate our brothers and sisters. I, the other thing I say to people is abortion is in the pews. It, we don't realize it. I, uh, we're always blessed when we have priests that will talk about it. We see rosaries from the mirrors. There's uh, any given day we will see rosaries dangling from the mirrors. We see Bibles. We see um, uh, pro-life, or excuse me, Christian radio station bumper stickers. We've seen uh, Catholic school bumper stickers on abortion-bound cars. So conversations you have in your day-to-day world, whether it's at, at church or at school or just with a, a friend or somebody about abortion before they get in the middle of it can have a tremendous effect. It is, it is definitely uh, around us all the time. Wow. You saw bumper stickers of Catholic schools. Did. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, that that is, like I said, out of ignorance. It has to be because if they knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. I mean, truly knew the implications that they were putting themselves in, the danger. Mm-hmm. I had a, a, I don't want to say run-in, though, but I was somewhere, and I'm not going to mention any names or where I was at, but I thought I was in the inner circle of faith. So I'm thinking these people are all strong, they're, mm-hmm. they're all solid. And the gentleman basically shared to me how he voted. Okay. And I I couldn't believe it. But what I shared with him was the five Mm non-negotiables. And all I can say is he did not either, A, know the five non-negotiables that the church teaches, or B, knew that and just decided he's going his own way. And I just shared with him that, you know, friend, you have to be on at least shaky ground mm-hmm. if you're going against a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, you know, I try to use uh, kid gloves around that because there's only so much we can actually say about mm-hmm. that. But it has to be under catechism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people people don't know. You know, I've worked with several people that had 12 years worth of Catholic education. And they have fallen away from the church, or they don't practice. Mm-hmm. You know that, that's that's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my both my kids I sent through twelve years, and Saint Dominic here in Saint Charles, O'Fallon area, they asked me to bar, uh, be a part of the five-year going forward study, and I was like, really? Okay, well it's a communication, so maybe that's why, because I do radio. So I told anybody who would listen, I said to them, there are no reason, none whatsoever, that if someone sacrifices to send a child 12 years of Catholic education, that they don't graduate as an apologist. Mm -hmm. They should know everything to defend the faith after 12 years. Start back in kindergarten, Mm -hmm. and little by little, when they graduate, they're going to go to college, and they have all the answers they need. And praise God, the next year they started offering apologetics as a, a an elective, mm-hmm. and the year after that it was required. Perfect, you know. And you know, I'm not trying to beat my own drum though. Yeah. But other Catholic schools, if you're listening, mm-hmm. please follow suit. 
You know, I've known people from CBC. I've known people from top schools in the area, mm-hmm. and they've lost these people. How could they? How could they? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Yeah. You know, if you truly know the presence of Christ is there in the Eucharist, you know, John chapter 6, verse 66, yeah. they turned and walked away. Yeah. No. Yeah. Really? You know, I'm like, how, how did the Bible know ahead of time that the uh, sign of the devils when they walked away from Christ? I was thinking of that as you talked about how could people, Catholic people or people of faith, you know, uh, be pro-abortion or vote for a pro-abortion candidate, those kinds of things. And yet those those who turned away, I was thinking of that exact part of Scripture, as you said that, they knew Jesus better than anybody could possibly know. They walked with him. They saw the miracles he, could, he performed, these incredibly remarkable things. And yet when it came to, and of course it was the real presence, right? That's what did them in. They couldn't, they couldn't believe in the real presence. But even they turned away, or Judas, who was with them all the way through. So he had all the knowledge he could ever want to have, even better than any catechism class ever. And yet in the end, uh, he made a decision to turn away. So it's, it's not always knowledge, but I do like that you emphasize um, the, the apologetics, the putting it into practice, like you know, learning how to speak understand what your faith is, and then share it. It needs to be shared. If it's not shared, it just dies away, and you'll fall for anything after that. Um, so that, the other thought I had is I noticed over time that, that while people dispute uh, the infallibility of the pope and the church, that those same people seem to believe in the infallibility of whatever party they belong to, right, and, and it's, or themselves, right? They believe in their own infallibility, but they can't accept the way God put it together that, you know, he had a church that has the Holy Spirit to guide it, and uh, we end up with the mess we have. Amen. You're listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the Rome of the West, St. Charles, Missouri. Uh, Matt Logman in studio today with John Ryan trying to save one soul at a time, mm-hmm. and he is uh, very involved in pro-life, which I believe we should all be, my friends. Don't forget to call us after the program. Get a copy of the free CD of the show that you can listen to again, and then pass it to someone, and you too can save one one soul at a time. All we ask for is postage. And if you've bought those forever stamps, what's it going to cost you? 40 cents? Come on, my friends. All right. So, yeah, lots to talk about. We're, what, about seven more minutes. You, so I want to give that time to you. What, uh, you know, there's things that are on your heart that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to say. Mm-hmm. This is the platform. Well, I found it interesting, uh, the, the um, one soul at a time. And part of what what our emphasis has been, and we learned early on, was, you know, that the task of ending abortion was so huge, it, it was so monumental that lots of people just gave up. There's no way we could do it. You know, all these things. And then, and so we focused on, and we did with God's blessing. We ended abortion one life at a time. That every time we succeeded at an abortion, well, every time we succeed. Uh, and I think we succeed just by acting in faith, of course, but every time it turns into a life saved, we ended abortion for that child that day and, uh, and, and one child at a time. And by doing that, it allowed us to keep our focus where it needed to be in charge here. Uh, he'll take care of the big picture as well. And, of course, the work that we did uh, in rescuing children also had an effect on the culture, right? And the culture eventually, we got a long ways to go. But we ended up with the right people on the Supreme Court, and they actually did the right thing for the first time in my lifetime. 
uh, when it comes to abortion. And um, so, yes, I like when you said that one soul at a time, one life at a time. If we, I think then uh, we keep from becoming discouraged. We get discouraged, we give up. And um, so uh, that, that, that certainly registered for me. Pun intended, baby steps. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. That's exactly right, because if you look at it without doing baby steps, then yeah. you see this impossible mountain. You don't yeah. know where to start. Right. So you do it one soul at a time. Yeah. And you said before the program that you step aside and let God do it. Yeah, it works best. Yeah, and folks, if you do that at home now, step aside and let God do it. He's God. He mm-hmm. can do whatever he wants. Yeah, all we have to do is show up. Um, um, Chet Gallagher, who is a, a Las Vegas uh, um, patrolman, uh, rescued on the job. This is decades ago in his uniform on his motorcycle. He came, sat down with a bunch of rescuers and said, this is what I became an officer to do. Um, eventually lost his job. and But he's done full-time ministry since then. And he always says, just show up. That's his, that's his thing. And, and, of course, what he means by that is if you show up, God does the rest. If you don't show up, um, God isn't able to do what he wants to do through you because you're not there for him to do it. And, and he can only do that part of life through you. So when you show up, it's huge already. And God takes care of the rest. I've heard many stories where people have lost their jobs because of their faith. Mm-hmm. And God always seems to have a way for that person to be successful. Yes. And yes. That, that's a beautiful thing. We had a, uh, a cab driver, believe it or not, all the way from Kentucky, so hundreds of miles, a tremendous fare, because um, they kill babies at Granite City up to 24 weeks old. And um, when he got there, I wasn't there that day, but my friends called out to him, and, and he did not know it was an abortion mill. He thought he was going to some medical procedure or whatever somewhere. And uh, when he found out, he got out of his cab and he goes, oh, I don't, I'm not involved in that. He went up to the door, told the guard, I'm, I am leaving. Uh, I will drive her home right now, but I will not be a part of this. And, of course, she had no other way home, so she had to come back out. Uh, we never did find out. We know he did the right thing. We knew that he was putting his job on the line. And uh, what a tremendous witness he was for that woman to the value of, of uh, her baby's life that he would do that. Yes, and there's so many men that make the wrong choice. The boyfriends that drive their girlfriends, the husbands that take their wives there. Yeah, a lot of people are injured and a lot of people are hurt by this terrible act. And, you know, the outcome of all that, you know, is so deep, so hurtful. It'll go generations. You know, I I just, that's why we have to pray. You know, and hopefully God heals those people, but they have to ask for it. Amen. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and you shall receive. The Father is always there waiting for you to come and and do that for them. Wow, it's a powerful, powerful movement you got yourself on here, John. I'm glad you mentioned men uh, because men are very much affected by this. Two of my close personal friends were involved in abortions and, and have been healed of that and are tremendous witnesses to me about God's, God's loving forgiveness. And um, uh, we also had a man at the abortion mill one day who came and he was, uh, I was able to put it on Facebook. As a matter of fact, he was crying out for his child, crying out to the mother of his child, saying he would do anything. His friend was there, he said, he's a great dad, he would take care of this baby. It was just, it was heart-wrenching to hear this man pleading for his child's life 
and um, unsuccessfully, but but uh, he did what God would expect any father to do, reached out for his child and tried to save him. Amen. Amen. And a lot of education needs to happen. Do you have any websites or any way that if people want to get a hold of you after the program that you can direct them to, uh, maybe of your favorite places? Well, um, Defenders of the Unborn has a website. All the Coalition Life has has its own. If you look up Coalition Life on a on a search, Thrive um, uh, Birthright, all the organizations certainly have that. Defenders is S T L hyphen Defenders, like defending someone. Defenders dot com. So S T L hyphen D E F E N D E R S dot com, and that's uh, the organization that we are committed to the frontline work. And then we work with all these other organizations. And, of course, we work alongside Coalition Life and others who uh, have come out there for years uh, rescuing on the front lines. We always think, you know, that uh, um, we, we can't – all these other th- activities that we do are intended to rescue these very children who are in danger today. So as Martin Luther King moved the civil rights movement forward, that was one of his things is – is that we have to end this now. These The people who are suffering uh, can't afford to wait. And um, um, he, had a, he had an expression for it uh, about mediocrity, and he wasn't very kind about that with his fellow civil rights uh, leaders. Uh, but he moved that, he took that movement far further along than it was ever going to get by saying this, this has to happen now. That's why they took to the streets. Mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Let me rephrase that. How about lukewarm? Yes, yes, that's exactly what he was talking about. We all about. know what the Lord said about mm-hmm. the lukewarm. It's not a pretty picture. Oh my gosh, folks. Yeah. And a lot of that stems from believing in the true presence. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, you yeah. know, if you've got someone who knows God, mm-hmm. you know, and believes in God, mm-hmm. you know, that's why when I come across you know, my first cousins that have left the church, one of the first questions I'll ask them, did you believe in the true presence? Mm-hmm. If they say no, I'll have them read John 6 again. Yeah. If they say yes, how could you walk away? Mm-hmm. So it's a, you know, it's a trick question, mm-hmm. but it gets them thinking. Because mm-hmm. all we can do is plant the seed, water the seed, Amen. and the Holy Spirit will do the rest and give thanks and praise. Amen. Amen. Well, John, thanks for coming in today. It's John Ryan. My name is Matt Logman. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents. Don't forget to call for that free CD, 447-6000 at 636-447-6000, and help us all change one soul at a time. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from the Rome of the West. Until next time, so long for now. Listening to St. Joseph Radio presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S A I N T, josephradio.net. Or call us 636 447 6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.